Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Hop Show, brought to you by Hopped LA. My name is Javi. You can find me on Instagram at Javi Brews. We have an exciting show for you guys this week. But before we do, just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of you guys that have been leaving those five-star reviews, uh, leaving those comments. Thank you guys so much. To the rest of you that are listening, you lazy bastards, stop it. Jump on the app. Give us that five-star review. If you feel that way, of course, leave us a comment if you don't. Or either way, man, I want to know uh, what you guys think of the show so far. So drop us a line. Let me know. Um, but I hope you guys are doing well. This whole thing, this whole world has gone insane. But I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're staying healthy. I hope that you're keeping up with those Zoom calls and talking to your friends and your loved ones and having some good beer. And folks, if you're going to have good beer, why not have local, independent, locally owned breweries? Their beer is amazing. It always is, right? So if you can, go to each of, you know, whatever your favorite brewery is. They usually have social medias. Most of them do. You know, they have all the information there. Delivery options, hours of operation, you know. There's all kinds of ways that you can enjoy your favorite beer and contribute to all these local breweries that are trying to keep these, uh, you know, trying to keep you uh, stocked with delicious beer. So if you can, Drink independent. And if you can, folks, go to El Segundo Brewing Company, which is one of our sponsors. Uh, El Segundo Brewing, of course, they make some of the best IPAs uh, in California, if I do say so myself. That's just my humble opinion. Um, They have weekly crowler specials that are amazing. They just had one uh, last week with a Broken Skull special. You can buy, like, you know case of broken skull beers at a certain price or i think it was crowlers or something or you know special price on a keg uh this week they're uh releasing the pre-orders for the independent which is a really 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 good west coast ipa as most el segundo beers are but they make it i think they're releasing it this year for memorial day so uh if you need beers to stock up on for memorial day man pick up some independent it's fantastic uh but Please, folks, if you can, support any brewery, anyone that you love in any city, please try to support. Um, and, of course, folks, here at Hopped LA, we are trying to you know, produce amazing content, and we are every single week. I mean, Gary's releasing these uh, beer quarantine beer of the day videos. Um, Emily is crushing it with her written series, The Session. Um, of course, our podcast is, you know, we, we're doing okay, you know. Uh, we're trying our best. Uh, but there's a lot of really good content at hoppedla.com. Check it out. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff. Now, this week, we are sitting down with uh, Miss Megan Smith of Pacific Plate Brewing Company. Of course, that's where I happen to work there. I'm one of the brewers there. And uh, Megan, you know, she's <laughs> she's amazing in every way. Uh, she's hilarious. And I think this show ended up being a lot more insightful than I expected. Because if you know Megan and I, and every time we're around each other, it's like constant jokes and one-liners and nonsense. But there's a lot of, I think, really good stuff that I think you guys will find interesting. Um, just about where we are, what be- what breweries can do and, and a, from a marketing standpoint. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, sit back, relax, crack open your favorite beer, and enjoy. Fun. You know, talking about, you know, the disappearance of Carol Baskin's husband and because you know the whereabouts. But let's let's keep that off the podcast. We don't need to incriminate you. 
invite the fucking feds over to your house. And I appreciate that. You know, I just don't need anyone uh, digging up my garden again. That was just embarrassing the first time. And I think the second time it would just be too much, you know? Yeah, like, they're not going to let you back in church after that. Not the second time, you know. Fool me <laughs> once. <Yeah>. Second? <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, this week is another edition of our quarantine because, let's face it, we can't, we can't be trusted to, to, to follow rules. We can't have nice things, Megan. This, this is why, you know? But we're trying our best to play our role as responsible human beings. <clears throat> responsible enough. Uh, so today, this week, we have one of my favorite humans on this very, very planet. She's a co-worker of mine at Pacific Play Brewing Company. She's a head of our marketing and PR. She is one of a kind, Megan Page. Hello. Megan! Hello. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I That was, that was the... Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. You know I'm yeah, verklempt. Well, you know, you're <laughs> Yeah. I'm kibitzing over here. Now, uh, you've known me for a few years now. We've gotten pretty close. Um, I figured when all of this started happening and they shut down the bars, my first thought was, what the hell are we going to do? Because now they're taking away our stomping grounds. I mean, how has this been for you so far? This whole quarantine, no bars, none of that. It's been really weird. I mean, I spend a lot of time in and out of bars. And, I mean, it's nightlife. It's what you do. You go out, you hang out, you meet friends, you meet new people. And it's been it's been a lot. And a lot of my friends are in the industry, and whether it's breweries or bars and restaurants or any of the sort, or even uh, liquor brand ambassadors are having a hell of a time because, you know, their accounts aren't, aren't buying anything. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a giant turning point in the industry. And I don't know what's going to go on. <laughs> it's a giant turning point that leads to the furnace and the furnace is on fire and it's going to be okay somehow or another. I think that in my, in my opinion, I think that craft beer is actually going to be fine because like when uh, there's been things in the past happen and like there needed to be escapism. So for a while people went to movie theaters or people went to different things. And I think that craft beer has a very unique, um, thing going for it and that it's not it's a luxury good but it's not a very expensive luxury good so even if you have five bucks to grab a pint or you have 20 bucks to grab a four pack or whatever people are going to still treat themselves so yeah our sales will be down and we won't have the market share of revenue that we we are used to and accustomed to but i think that it's almost like a strong will survive because people will start taking the money that they have and really putting it toward the craft breweries that they care about or the beers that they really like. So I kind of think that there's that too. And I think well, that beers can be better because some that aren't as good won't be around. 
the, and, and the fact that you hesitate to say that, because none of us want any breweries to go out of business, but it's just sort of part of it. And what's, right. what's spooky about all of this, I, mean, I remember when we were joking about this at the brewery before, you know, we were, you know, there were already whispers of this super virus and all that stuff. But when I remember there was, there was such uncertainty when, when, when we got the news, like, that's it, everything's closing. Little by little, now bars, restaurants, everything's closing. We're like, ah, what the hell? What are we doing? And then there was no one, there was no certainty because you know all the the uh, state government language was kind of muddled, and we weren't sure what was going to happen. We thought were we going to close or were you know we'd be able to open? And I think that's something that you mentioned earlier is just the resilience of craft beers. Now that those parameters have been set a little bit, now you see breweries that are delivering. Uh, they're having you know beer to go straight to your trunk of your car. Um, for you, like, is there something that you see? Like, what have you seen in terms of how these breweries have been able to evolve their marketing strategy? I mean, anyone that is able to pivot to um, offsite sales, to go sales delivery is is really like it's our only option. It's the best option. Uh, oh. I know that there's uh, a brewery that was just about to open. And they had everything on tap. They hadn't even gotten to the point in their business where they had bottles or cans or anything. And all of a sudden, bam, that was their primary mode of sales. So it's really, really interesting. Um, I also guess I should point out that I'm drinking my beer tonight out of a Sanctum Brewing glass, pint glass. Raise a glass to them. But no, I mean, off-site sales. And if you can get out there, then that's what you got to do. That's, that's all we have right now. Right. And, and, but what helps is a lot of these breweries now are, are doing deliveries. This is one of my favorite things. I mean, I love, especially cause you know, you and I live kind of in this area where we're surrounded by, you know, Arrow Lodge and then, you know, us to the plate, they got wing Walker. Now uh, we have uh, Overtown and all these breweries are sort of offering these services to deliver it to your house. Have you, have you been able to do that yet? I haven't yet, uh, just because I've, I've actually been kind of busy through this whole thing because trying to figure out what I'm doing as far as, you know, marketing and everything, because I think a key to that right now is staying out there and having something to post and having a message, because if you stop posting, if you stop existing online, then you just don't exist. And especially with people not taking drives around their neighborhood or, you know, just, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to check out this new spot just because, because people just don't do that. You know, you have to go somewhere with a purpose. Um, I know that we have had people who have just been taking a walk around their neighborhood and just discovering us, but those are people within like stone's throw of where we are. So that doesn't quite count. But no, I mean, if you're not, if you're not posting out there, then there's nothing. You have nothing. Right, and that's that's something that I think breweries were kind of slow to catch on. I felt like for a little while where they weren't embracing, you know, say for those few breweries that were, you know, having like like anywhere Vito, for instance, where he's, you know, anywhere he went to, where he was in charge of social media, they were crushing it. You know, these little pockets of breweries. Um, uh, what's his name from uh, Moxa Brewing? Why am I forgetting his name? He's such a good dude, great brewer. Saw uh, his thing at CCBA, and he. Is great. I love him. Derek. Derek. Yes. Derek. He is uh, such, he's one of those, you know, social media gurus. Like, 
it's such a great platform, and I feel like breweries kind of played catch up a little bit to kind of embrace it. I think so. I kind of think that there were people like when this first happened, like like you were saying, because I mean, I called last call on the fifteenth. I remember. And it was I crazy. Remember. It was nuts, and I had customers. You know, oh, you can't do this. But <laughs> I'm not doing anything. The governor is, but sure. Um, but yeah, it was it was weird because you know after that, what what happens? What happens? We were closed for a week. There was a lot of discussion on if we were going to open back up, if we were going to sell, if we were only going to rely on our distribution and go into liquor stores exclusively. Like brewing our first batch after we called that last call was a a big risk, a giant risk. Because, okay, who's going to be drinking this? We had to think about the future. A lot of breweries are facing that same same exact choice. And you know, some got their uh, payroll protection, others didn't. Um, right, which is a good or, or bad thing, depending on all the other regulations around it. But yes. But also, it also what I find interesting is what are breweries going to do with that? Because there will be uh, some breweries are going to you know, bring some staff back on, maybe brew some batches. Some might buy that canning line that they've been desperately needing. But I feel like we're not even at the middle of this thing. I feel like. Yeah. I will We're, tell because, like you said, Sanctum just tanked. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough time. It's a real tough time. <laughs> it's a strange time. And I remember, like, so uh, we're going we're gonna to Tarantino. We're going to go back a little bit. <laughs> uh, when, when I first met you, so I had just got hired into Pacific Plate Brewery as, uh, as a brewer. And I think by then you were already working there. I think you were already doing, like, were you already doing marketing at that point? I think I was just starting. Right. Right. And I I remember, I remember uh, it was Jerry, Jerry, the head brewer at the Plate. He had texted me, because we're already friends, with, you know, we're already huge wrestling fanboys, friends at this point, which I know, which for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, we've released with Pacific Plate Brewing, we have released some um, pro wrestling like beers that Megan has had to market. So now her Instagram feed is flooded with professional wrestling memes, and I've never, mwah, I've never been happier. It is due to both of you, that's for sure. That's for <laughs> sure. And I have seen more wrestling in the last, what, year than I have ever, ever in my life. Hey, and you know what? You're welcome because professional wrestling is life. But anyway, I'm just glad you have hobbies, you know? (laughs) I have to have something. Uh, But uh, Jerry had texted me saying, hey, you know, we're we're hiring for a brewer position. I went in. Steve gave me the quick, all right, cool, you're hired, whatever. Uh, I think within a few weeks I met you. And we met at Aero Lodge for a little meeting. Mm -hmm. And you take it from here. Well, okay, so... I had information on you because I found your resume floating around. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, hold on now. Hey, now. No, I mean, <laughs> it, so it was there, you know, sorry that I looked through things, but um, no. And then I had noticed that you had a certain thing on your resume and it was the same time and the same location where my father worked at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. A big D. A big D. The big D. Um, we've all done it. We've all done Disney. That's you know. Right. That's right. 
I love Some my people education. Pay a lot of money to do to do the D. Yeah, we all we all have to do that at some point in our lives. It's a it's a right. Everybody, path. everybody gets on their knees for Mickey Mouse, folks. Get over it. It's a fact of life. I agree. Um, but yeah, so I knew that you knew somebody that I knew. So I had to bring it up to you because is I because okay, how do I even explain who my dad was? Like, okay, so I so uh, I worked at Disney from two thousand five, two thousand ten, and I had heard about this old man named Vern Smith, who dirty old man, but hilarious, right? And so uh, I'd met him, and yeah. Right to the T, just dirty old man, always making jokes, but always smiling. Everybody loved Vern. And but he was also sweet. He wasn't like the dirty man that you are going to press charges against. He's oh, the no, no, he's not one that he's gets like, away with it. Come on. Yeah, he's like, oh, Vern, you sweetheart, you. And he just got away with murder. It was He was fantastic. I was <laughs> with him for a few years, and then, so when I met you, it had already been years since I'd worked there. Yeah. So just you knew my dad. I said, who's your dad? He said, Vern Smith. I almost fell off my fucking stool. I thought, I thought you might have, actually. <laughs> it was but. crazy, because I, I well, would never know. And it's known. true, because there's so many people that work there at one point. And even if you work in the same location or the same time, it's like, how do I even know these people? Maybe I have, right, like, one you know, too. Yeah, because I was there. Uh, I don't think we overlapped. I know no, my dad. So. You worked there before the 50th, I think, right? Just before. Right. Then we had the name tag. Yeah. But so, you know, you go through Disney. How did you end up in the beer industry? So I actually, when I got to college, when I graduated high school, um, I had done performing arts, like, all since I was young. Um, I was a, I'm a former competitive accordionist. Um, for anybody who hasn't been to the tap room in the last few months, um, all of my trophies are there. Um, and there's a glorious picture of Megan as a child with her accordion. And I, I can't even begin to tell you guys how adorable it is. Oh, it's just, maybe, but, um, but yeah, so I, I've done music things and performing arts things my entire life. And then when I graduated high school, I was like, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to do something normal and you know i'm gonna be a high school teacher and i couldn't tell you where i got that idea out of but sure and then right and one of my friends got involved with the performing arts department at citrus college and so then i started joining things and then i uh went through the women's ensemble program and the citrus singers program and I got to travel and I got to, to, I got to sing in cruise ships and cathedrals and in Europe and all these crazy things. And I had a friend that was doing the hospitality program at Cal Poly. And I got to the point in my music career, and I'm going to use air quotes on that because it's not, but um, where I could either go on stage, which I wasn't quite ready for, I could teach, which I also wasn't ready for. Or I could take all the skills that I learned from being in leadership positions and all this crazy logistics that I had to manage and take that that skill set into a an industry that was a little more lucrative than that at the time. So I went to uh, Collins College of Hospitality Management at Cal Poly Pomona. And my very first class toward my degree 
was Beer and Culture with Owen Williams, who opened up Ritual out in Redlands and developed recipes with BJ's. And I got to sit in the classroom and drink a, I'm not going to say a lot because it's educational, but a lot of beer. Um, That's right. Class and educational, Megan. There was a chapter in the book called Educational Drinking. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> um, but no, uh, so I got to sit there and and listen to Owen tell stories. And uh, Pete Coors was a speaker in the class at one point, And it was, it was insane. I learned... A, so much. And I was like, this is the first class toward my degree. I I'm in the right place. And I I love that class. And I think that a lot of people's first exposure to beer is at some party you're underage. Somebody has a keg or a giant 24 pack of some big beer adjunct lager that you don't really know why anyone drinks it. Cause you take a swig and you're like, what, what is this? This is what people like. And you're like, okay, sure. It's just, you know, all water. <laughs> yeah, it's warm. Um, yeah, a little warm, sometimes green. Um, but I think well, that people... Well, this is a vomit from the local jock, that's what it is. Yeah, I think this has already been consumed, but okay. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that that's, that's people's first experience with beer, and I think a lot of, it kind of makes or breaks people, too. Because I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, I just hate beer, and I ask them why, and it's usually because their first beer was just something terrible and I'm like well you know there's so much more than that um but anyway yeah like I I loved that that was my real first introduction to beer and from then on it was it was doing beverage stuff I was the president of the beverage association at Cal Poly Pomona which doesn't exist anymore but was awesome I got to pay I got to get the university to pay for an educational beer trip to San Diego which how how did you was that was that tough to do at the time was that a tough sell like or was it sort of like, like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever? No, it was fine. Um, so the school obviously didn't pay for anyone's liquor. They paid for transportation costs and hotel costs and food. But it was the exploration of the, um, you know, the, the, the town that is San Diego that is such an integral part of the craft beer culture. And we had to study it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. At yeah. the time, the was there a weekend. beer that you fell in love with in San Diego? Um, you know what? So that is actually, it was the first time I had a spiced brown ale that I actually really loved. Oh. It was a, it was a brown with uh, serrano peppers, I believe. And okay. Oh, that's one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brown. Interesting. It was interesting. And I was like, this is great. But <laughs> this was also the time that there was the pissing match between uh, Stone and Sierra Nevada. And an attitude as by the whole that said, you know, craft beer isn't for girls. And so in the middle of all that, I was like, I can have whatever beer I want. And so I did. And I wrecked my palate completely. I just obliterated it. I couldn't taste anything but ashes. And <laughs> so I had to recalibrate, go back to Belgium and work my way back. Right. So it was fun. Um, now... You I know you kind of you did some time in liquor, right? You did some because you have an impressive liquor cabinet. I do. And then I do. you always have these invitations to these crazy like liquor parties. Is that part of this for the connections you made being part of that program? It is, and so the the curriculum at Cal Poly had uh, had the beer class, obviously, 
and it had a great wine component because there was two really great wine professors there, Margie Jones and uh, Dr. Bob Small. And they just have impressive wine backgrounds. And I learned a lot from them, but wine's not really my forte, not my bag. And I was trying to, because I was president of this club, I was trying to find uh, other things to do. So I was doing like, I was doing lectures at lunchtime like a weirdo on the urban legends of beverage and why oh. a Coke and Mentos fountain works and mm. why Mikey didn't die of Pop Rocks and Coke. Like, <laughs> Wait, and are you saying Pop Rocks and Coke isn't real? I mean, it's real, but it's not going to expand your stomach as much that make it explode. Mm. Challenge accepted. You know what? Go for it. I'll watch. I'll video. It'll be fine. Oh, we'll put on TikTok. We'll get millions of views. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we could. But, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> so I had to find what wasn't in the curriculum and and do activities based on that, making the club a little more successful because that means we had something that no one else did and don't you want to join our club and do all the fun stuff. Right. And so I sought out... Um, a few people who were doing a cocktail festival and there's various cocktail festivals around the country and they were trying to start Los Angeles cocktail week, which only lasted about three or so years, which makes me kind of sad because it's the closest thing to me, but you know, people can't revolve around me all the time, but not all the time, not all the time but like some of the time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I worked for an organization that was putting together the golden state of cocktails and it was in, it was insane because it was five days of educational programming enveloped by seven days worth of parties, and you went to. <laughs> this is where I learned how to marathon drink, so this is this is why I'm fine after a while. Um, but you would start your seminars at eleven thirty in the morning, and then they would run till about four thirty, and then you would go to the happy hour, and then you would go to the dinner, and then you would go to the party, and then you would go to the after party. And then you would go to the hotel and do it all again. Yeah, yeah. You, you go back to the hotel and you keep drinking. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. So, but, so then you have to get all the drinking you can, and then the next day you got to do it all over again. So you right. keep that liver just going. If you if you never stop drinking, you're never hungover. Exactly. That's how that works. But yeah, it's no. I, I learned a lot, uh, you know, how to shake cocktails and not screw up your joints, how to do taxes as a bartender, uh, bartender yoga, as well as other things that were sponsored by brands like different kinds of vermouth or how to choose a barrel in a barrel house and things like that. It was nuts. It is, was there, is, there one, is there one event in particular that, like, you have a special place in your heart for that you kind of look back and think fondly of? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Yes. It was having a gala party in the space that is now Imperial Western before two and three slash pouring oh. bought the building. I love that place. So yeah. Very, very so they had small, small bars inside where the streamliner is now different, you know, brand activation bars. And then we had our giant party inside in the center. It was really fun. It was amazingly fun. Now, how did you end up at Pacific Place? The magic of the internet. Um, <laughs> a lot of magic on the internet. Ma oh, so much magic. Don't turn your safe search on. Um, <laughs> or do. I don't know. It doesn't matter at this point. 
Um, no. So I was working in the private club industry at the time in their communications department. And there was a time after graduation and before I had settled into other things that I was just constantly looking for a job. And so my brain was so used to got to find a job, got to find a job. So when this, this listing came across my desk, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I applied for it and I interviewed and I got it. And I was immediately like, oh, I already have a full-time job. What am I doing? But it worked out because I wasn't there super long after that. And I got to just go full-time at play. So that was good. Yeah. Oh, that place. Yeah. I, I never thought I I ended up there, but like, I'm glad that I did. I I got to through there. I got, I got to meet you there and it's, it's been a wild effing ride. And I have to ask this of all the festivals you and I have worked together. (laughs) That we haven't almost died at. Oh, we got to tell, we got to tell the mammoth story. That's, that's a story. Um, so for those of you, uh, those of you folks that don't live in California or aren't aware of the Mammoth uh, Beer Festival, I think it's called what Blues of Palooza. I'm so uh, excited. I went, I went to Blues of Palooza many years ago, um, just as you know, someone that I, I, I think I was in a band at the time. My guitarist and I went, and yeah, we just hung out and just got hammered drunk and watched these blues musicians play all day, and it was amazing. Well, we got that. We got the opportunity last year to go as as a brewery, and Megan and I, with our two bags, let's see if I remember correctly, four half barrel kegs. Yep. Uh, was it one or two jockey boxes that we had in there? One. One jockey box. Table? I forgot. It was like a bunch of stuff, but those are the four. The four half barrel kegs. Four half barrel kegs. The ten. Jockey box, our bags, plus beer for Goodwill's purposes. <laughs> All in my little 2006 black Honda Civic. It's a trooper. And we made it, I forgot how many hours in, and we pop a tire. I put on the donut. We drive two minutes. Next tire pops. And now we're stranded. I remember we're both on the phones on our phones with people from the festival trying to organize a ride to come down and yeah pick us up because we're in the middle of the fucking desert thinking about spending the night in the car and i don't know god okay so we somehow get this tow truck to pick us up now on the way back he tells us hey just so you guys know there's a spare tire in this junkyard and i look at megan like you know it's <laughs> worth Maybe a shot you know it could happen yeah, let's, oh, let's try it. so we actually so we go to this junkyard and sure enough the tire quote unquote air quote you, you guys can't see it but air quotes here fit my car and so we put it on and i look at megan like we're going we're we're, we're, we're fucking getting there we drive there, I think it was like another hour and a half. We get to Mammoth, we made it. Uh, our friend Joe from El Segundo, uh, shout out to, to Joe Barber from El Segundo. He was Hell there. Oh, yes. Hell yes. And um, he was like, You guys made it. And we were all excited. And when I look at my car, I looked at one of my lug nuts off my tire has popped off. And I was like, Hmm, well, that'll be all right. 
Next day, we pour at the festival. Megan, this is where, tell us a little bit. What did you think of Mammoth pouring, uh, going there as a pourer and working for this brewery and at the sweet hotel they put us at? It was, oh my God. No, it was great. It was, it was awesome. It was being somewhere uh, where people don't really know who we are and being able to take our product there and knowing it back and forth and having somebody next to me who also knows it, who can just promote it all to hell to everybody. And there were some people, like we saw that guy wearing a Pacific Plate t-shirt, which was kind of cool. Um, but being as small as we are, you don't normally see that out in the wild. Have <laughs> the forest, get it? Um, yeah, forest. It's, it's like a pun. Um, but no, I mean, it was it was really fun. It was amazingly fun, and I I talk a lot about the community of craft beer because I don't see a lot of us as competition. A lot of it is a community. It's a brotherhood, and especially when we talk about like as, even as small as Monrovia is that there's four of us there now and the more we help each other and the more we collaborate and share ideas and share knowledge, the better everyone's beer is collectively. And that starts to make us a destination for it. So right. people are like, Oh, I never go East of Pasadena. Cause all it is is cows, which is untrue America. Um, <laughs> but don't believe the hype, but no, that, that, that helps everybody. And especially with all this stuff going on, I have seen so much information pass from person to person and, you know, here's resources. Here's what I have. How can this help you just offering up any, any help at all? I know that there's, there's breweries bringing their canning lines around and being all of a sudden they're mobile canning or people who can buy cleaning supplies that, Hey guys, I found this, you know, how can it help you? And so I think that's great, but it was like being in mammoth where there were, there were breweries big and small, still all craft, but just just being there as family. It wasn't like, oh, who are you? Yeah. It was such a wonderful thing, like, because we were all helping each other out. We're all trying each other's beers. We're all passing around those, quote, unquote, goodwill beers. You know what I'm saying? It was... Gotta have them. Whenever I explain to people why, people ask, like, why our industry is so awesome, it's like... Is that the is the fact that we are we are competitors to a degree, but at the same time, like, how many festivals have we gone to where like we've helped someone out with their jockey box, their shit's not pouring right, or oh right. hey uh you know hey we're hey, we're gonna get some ice, do you want some too? Oh yeah, for sure, we'll help you out. Or like hey you know if you guys want to take a break, like I'll I'll work your jockey box for a while while you guys you know go run and get some food. Like it, there's never any hesitation to help everybody out. Right. Or, you know, my CO2, there's something wrong with it. Or, you know, my right, wrench. Right. You know, it's I'm always. Or something. Or like a manifold and you're in Orange County or something. I don't know what's going on. Oh, my God. Didn't that happen? But, uh, what did I forget? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. I, I brought the wrong oxygen t- or the, bra- the wrong CO2 tank. <laughs> Jerry had to come save our lives. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's uh, the worst. It happened. But, you know, it's things like that. It's It's, you know. It's, it's, we're all in this collective situation and not necessarily the same boat because everyone's boat's different, but in the same situation where you benefit from being amiable and collaborative and open to other people. And the instant you shut yourself off and become your own island, like that's why I like the guild so much because everyone is, has that feeling of family that they, 
Hey, you're my brother. Like you're my sister company. You're my brother company. I want to help you. So that's always really good. So I, I love doing collaborations with people and sharing knowledge and resources. So it's good. Good stuff. It's it's a great industry. And, and, you know, we're all trying to help each other out as best we can during these uncertain times. (laughs) I hear that so fucking often. I'm so tired of it, but, uh, I mean, it, it is, it is, Strange. I mean, yeah. we're doing the best we can. Um, I want to take a shot. I haven't taken a shot on the air before, and I feel like it's time. You know, it's quarantine times, and I feel like I should have a shot of whiskey on the air because why not? Is that yeah. Fair? Yeah. Okay. Of course. So, cheers to all local breweries out there, all you guys out there. Keep hustling. We're going to get through this. Getting it done. Together. Yeah, done. Cheers. Um, pie. Mmm, <sighs> tastes like mama's kisses. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, <clears throat> before we ride off into the sunset with this next, with this episode, with. Megan Page of Pacific Paper Ring Company. Oh, Lord. Um, what is something that you've learned during all of this in terms of your role now with the brewery? Like, what's something that you've kind of, it's kind of made you look at it in a different light? Never be afraid to learn something new. Um, there, <laughs> so a lot of my time these days is spent at the homebrew shop that we have. Shout out to that, I guess. Um, yeah, we but, We're doing horrible jobs as, as employees of this company. We're not even pimping. Pacific Plate Brewing Company, 1999, South Myrtle Avenue, Monrovia. Uh, Monrovia at the Homer Homer Shop. Shop. Right next, kind of in the same vicinity. 1945. 1945 South Myrtle, same business park. There you go. There it is. But no, I mean, I, I came from the like beer evaluation and hospitality and serving and pairing part. That's what I got a degree in college learning. And all of a sudden it was, Hey, we need someone to teach homebrewing. Have you ever done that? And I said, no, I've been, you know, thinking about learning and they're like, great. You're teaching in like a month. Learn now. Yeah. And you know, especially with smaller companies and, and smaller operations, you've got to be flexible and do things. And especially if you care about the company and care about your position there or the longevity of everything, jump in, learn something new, learn all about it. And if there's something that you can see, you know, Hey, maybe we should be doing this. Don't be afraid to bring it up. You know, if, if, if it's going to benefit everybody, then bring it to the table. Yeah, and also brewers, listen. I, I I love all you guys so very much. Okay, but and Megan, we we talked about this before. When you design a label, ask yourself: Is Worst Beer Blog gonna fucking share this? Please, I agree. This is not the time for shenanigans. We gotta sell our shit good. We gotta have good labels. 
for the love of God, just yeah, it, it's sort of like it's sort of the Michael Jordan rules. It's the worst beer blog rules. Is he gonna put? Is he gonna post about it? Okay, let's not put that on a label. Am I, I think wrong? about it every time I push send on Instagram. Every time. <laughs> is this yeah, the blog? I remember, is like, I think you, you posted a comment or, uh, on some brewery, like, oh, uh, thank God it's not us. <laughs> now, now. I only uh, not now. do not that private. Now. No, I mean, yeah, it's be more coordinated. Uh, every, I, I think that everything, if you're doing it for a company, should be done with purpose and should always tie back to the core values of the company and the core ideals of the branding that's my personal opinion because then what are what are you doing if you're not promoting the brand and if you're diluting the brand you're not helping the brand and the only way you can get better is to have stronger branding and everyone working for the same purpose but we would argue some of these breweries the problem is is that some of them have a hard time defining what their brand is you know they make some good beers but you know they have a picture of a you know a horse race to the left but then they have like an alien to the right there's this like i feel like a lot of breweries have this sickle problem where they can't seem to define their brand they kind of have this oh we just make some great beer come check us check us out we're so cool and casual but then there's right and you've got you've got things like places like modern times where their brand is being crazy and artsy and everything is a crazy repeating pattern or everything is just bright colors or all these things. And that's their whole thing. And I think McKellar's kind of in that too, where they have the same art style, but everything is just kind of off the wall. But then I like to look at things like society where everything that they're doing is in the same art style and the same, like they, they think real hard about what they're going to name their beers and sort of things. And I like that a lot, you know, it's just, it's all coherent and together. You like effort. I do. Just a, a little bit more effort, guys. Come a little on, bit, you know, a little bit. Opportunity to, uh, I think my thing is, this is a wonderful time for breweries to step up and really be there for the community. Because, yeah, I understand it's beer. It's a, like you said, it's a very luxury commodity. It's not necessity. Probably not, not really. But, you know, it's it's sort of like, I love the mentality of the brewery and that every town now has at least one brewery that's local. And, and I think this is the time for us as independent brewers to shine because what are people going to remember after all of this? They're going to remember the right. company and they're going to remember those you know, mom and pop shops they supported and like that's the stuff that people remember so at this point i think these breweries have to ask yourselves like what do we want people to remember us for right and it's you know it's how you you can give back to the community you can be a part of the community um i i think that there's a lot of breweries these days in in these times um yeah, you brought the uncertain part. It's just, right. Just so we're aware of these are uncertain times. Unprecedented. They are unprecedented times. <laughs> I got my book out. Um, By the way, how far are you in quarantine bingo so far? How many spaces do you have left? I Okay, so the other day I did take everything out of the kitchen drawers and reline and wash everything. So 
I'm more whatever that is. Uh, I have I have the uh, I have the watch Friends in its entirety square that will never, ever, ever touch. It's good. I don't, That's good. I don't care how bored I get. I will not watch right. an episode of Friends. Mm. I'm gonna die with that on my headstone. I do not care at this point. You know, it's a good thing to do. I'll, no. I'll, I'll put that, that stat, and then I'll put my credit score. Oh, my gosh. That's, <laughs> like, a great idea. I don't know. What are they going to do? Come and, come and send bills to my coffin? I mean, maybe. Right. But, no, I mean, I, I, I know that, that times is hard, but I also see breweries that are taking more of a look at what the guest experience is, especially going forward. Like, yeah, that, that, you know, that'll be my next question. Like, yeah, do you think, what do you see in the, with these breweries now? Do you see the to-go option, putting in the trunk? Do you see that continuing on after all this? I mean, absolutely. I think, again, we're in the very early stages of this fun time. Um, we're living in history, right? Yeah. Um, but, right. So I think that that anything that people can do to pivot to cans and bottles or crowlers are, are huge. And I growlers are big, but right now, like we can't fill them due to the health regulations. So yeah. that's the growlers. Are tiny. Right. Are tiny? I, yeah. They're going to be a little collective collectible. I think we'll see. We'll yeah. They end up on people's walls mostly or like in a box with the girlfriend saying, Get this shit out of my house. I'm tired of this shit. You're an alcoholic. Get help. I'm going to burn down your man cave if you bring home one more growler. <laughs> but no, I, I think that like taproom design is going to be different. And expectations of, of your experience in a taproom is going to be different too. And who knows when we're going to go back to a crowded taproom, you know, pulling 16 different flight paddles on a Saturday night. Like, Ugh. who knows? We're going to long days for a while. Flight. You know what? If we can get rid of flights, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm, I'm all right with that future. I'll, I'll go, yeah, no. If, if we can... Are you in the go for a full beer or go home challenge? Or, uh, yeah, no. You're a proper American. Have a pint of beer. Life. Fucking... Proper Irishman. Have a pint of beer. Exactly. Right? Right, well, America. You are very Irish, so you, you, I'm not going to say it, but you can. Uh, it's not yeah. it, right? <laughs> now, before I let you right up into the sunset, what, okay. will you say, what, what do you say to all the people out there, all the listeners? What, what is your last message to them? On what topic? Whatever. <laughs> this is, the floor is yours. I mean, we're all holding it down. I think we got this. And I think that you got to keep your head down. You got to stay smart about things um, and learn as much as you can. Also, if you like beer, come down to 1999 South Myrtle Avenue to play brewing company. You're going to make some beer at home to drink later to numb the sound of your wife nagging at you. Uh, come down to the Monrovia Home Company. <laughs> I'm kidding. We can delete that off the podcast. It's fine. It's fine. I don't want to get canceled off this shit. It'll be edited in post. <laughs> <laughs> Again, 
Megan, my dear, thank you so much for jumping on this uh, episode with me. It has been a dream. This is what your dreams look like? Believe me, of all the dreams, this is, this is, I, I can deal with this one. I can right. deal really with this one. So again, Megan, thank you so much. Megan, PR, the brewing company. I didn't hear what you said, sorry, what? I said it was my pleasure, but you know, you don't yeah. have to hear. Uh, so, uh, for this week, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I will try to do the next podcast semi more sober, but you got nothing. Wow, quiet. And that was it, ladies and gentlemen, for this week's episode. Thank you to Megan so much for jumping on the show. Uh, of course, you can find out about all the latest happenings at Pacific Plate Brewery through their Instagram, uh, at Pacific Plate Brewery. Uh, the website, I think it's PacificPlateBrewing.com. Um, I believe their address is 1999 South Myrtle in Monrovia. Check them out. Uh, of course, I tend to be there once in a while if I'm brewing or cleaning up. You know, wear your mask, wash your hands, and come and say hi. Grab some beer to go. It's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, once again, from everyone here at Hopped LA, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, until next week, my friends, cheers. <laughs>